I'm Carly Zakin. I'm Danielle Weisberg. Welcome to Skim from the Couch. This podcast is where we go deep on career advice from women who have lived it, from the good stuff like hiring and growing a team to the rough stuff like negotiating your salary and giving or getting hard feedback. We started the skim from a couch, so what better place to talk it all out than where it began on a couch? Today, we have a special bonus episode of Skimmed from the Couch. Claire Wasserman joins us to talk about one of our favorite topics, money. She's a career coach and the founder of Ladies Get Paid, a career development platform for women. She's also the host of John Hancock's new podcast, Friends Who Talk About Money. Claire, we are so excited to have you with us. Welcome to Skimmed from the Couch. So excited to be here. I'm such a huge fan of you guys. Oh, thank you. We're going to jump in with our standard questions. Skim your resume for us. Oh, man. Okay. So I started in independent film producing in Bosnia, of all places. Wow. Uh, then, I, then I went on to raise money for a nonprofit. I did that for about a year. Made my way to an experiential marketing firm. Decided I wanted to be in advertising. But about a year later, I went on my own and I created a startup, which worked for about eight months and then it failed. So after that, I worked for an organization called the Art Directors Club. It is a community and network that helps connect people in visual communications. Uh, so a little bit deeper into advertising, but you know, never worked for an advertising firm. Ended up getting poached by a company called Working Not Working. Highly recommend you all check it out. It's a network that helps connect creatives for jobs. Got really interested in helping people find work, but eventually decided, you know what, I'm, I'm more motivated to help people thrive at work and not, and not just get them the job. And particularly wanted to focus on women and helping women. So, you know, after about a year and a half of working, not working, I started Ladies Get Paid. What was the catalyst to starting Ladies Get Paid? What did you see that specifically made you feel like, this is a problem that I want to help tackle. Misogyny. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I had gone to this advertising festival. It was in Cannes, right? So south of France, yachts, gorgeous, amazing. And I distinctly remember this older guy coming up to me at a party and he sticks out his hand and he says quite innocently, hi, whose wife are you? And I will always be grateful to this man because it shocked me wow. out of this, I guess, naivete, which I assumed, you know, men and women are equal. My mom was the third class of women in college, but you know, she, she fought for women's rights and it was over. Man, it was a full week at this festival of, you know, misogyny in, in big and small ways. After the festival, I felt like shit, went home and I wrote an essay about not so much, you know, what I experienced, but more about me trying to process it because I internalized a lot of the discrimination. You know, if I was objectified, it became, well, did I cause it? You know, was I too friendly? Didn't have the guts to publish the essay, but I did share it with some friends who wrote me back and said, man, I have also experienced this. And they hadn't yet been able to put words to it. Just this feeling of uneasiness or awkwardness. And from there, I just started researching women, workplace, inequity, never Googled those things in my life. I don't think I even knew what feminism meant. And a whole new world was opened up to me. And this was a very depressing world, a world where there were statistics like the fact that Hispanic women make 55 cents to the dollar. I didn't even really know what the wage gap was at that point. Remember, this was five years ago. So the conversation you know, that we're having today was just not happening then. And in reading those statistics, it's like, you can't 
go back to the way it was. You know, you can't look away. But for a year, I just sat on these statistics thinking, you know, what can I as an individual possibly do to combat something that is so entrenched and systemic? And it wasn't until a friend of mine, this art director friend who came to me and she said, you know, Claire, I just realized that I'm, I'm not charging as much as the other male art directors. I don't know what to charge. Shouldn't we be talking about money? And that was my next aha moment because money represented a lot of the things that I had been concerned about this past year, which you know, boils down to power and lack of power, right? And our value and our worth. Do we recognize our own worth? And do other people recognize it? Are we being rewarded for that worth? So money is, you know, baked into all of that. And so the official beginning of Ladies Get Paid, although of course at the time I didn't quite know what it was, was hosting a town hall for a hundred women to come together and to talk about money, what money means to them, their fears, their challenges. Even one woman stood up and said, I make a shit ton of money and we all cheered for her, right? <laughs> so, so to keep this positive too. And it was at that event that I saw, okay, I am not alone in the questions that I have, in the support that I need. I got to do something. When you think through, you know, whether it was your experience at that event or, you know, obviously in running the organization now, what do you think are the biggest misconceptions that exist about women and money? What do we need to dispel? Yeah, I think, I mean, things are changing now. Again, remember I started this dialogue about four years ago, four and a half years ago. It's just a taboo subject, you know, and when something's taboo and we don't talk about it, that's that's where shame can live. And we're all socialized by how we were raised, you know, the messages that we've received, whether it was our community or our parents or, you know, media, and you just don't talk about it. And you carry baggage because of it. You know, the way that your parents dealt with money, you usually deal with money the same way. And, and for me, my parents just never talked about it. So honestly, I was missing a whole education. I didn't even know how to balance a checkbook. So part of it is emotional baggage and part of it is just logistics. What are these things? And if the stock market feels risky and you don't want to research it, you just don't invest. Well, that's a problem, right? Because it compounds over time. It's good to have your money in the money market and not just under your pillow. So, you know, again, emotions, logistics, and this desire to not appear greedy. I think that's pretty freaking female. I've had women tell me that they don't want to negotiate for two reasons. One, they feel like they'll look, I don't know, money hungry, right? Or that they'll oversell themselves. They'll get that big raise and they won't be able to deliver. I just can't help but think, would a man feel this way? And I, I don't want to make generalizations, but, you know, I'm going to make a generalization about that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, we both can relate to that for sure. One of the biggest questions we get asked, and and something honestly that we struggle with a lot ourselves is negotiating. What are some tools or tricks that you've picked up along the years to help you when you think about negotiating? I mean, it begins with mindset, going through all of your fears around negotiating, whether it's, you know, fear of losing the opportunity or jeopardizing the relationship. Um, We teach a whole class that ladies get paid about this. You can absolutely dispel those things. Remember, you're on the same side. If you're at the place of negotiating, they want you. You're both trying to make this work. And a compromise at the end of the day is really both people have to give up something in order for both people to get something. And if you're feeling like this is really lopsided, that you keep compromising and they're not compromising at all pay attention to that. You know, this might not be a place that you want to work. And I know that that's privilege for me to say, like, just walk away. That's, that's not a reality for a lot of people. But this is why it is so important to try to have as many opportunities as possible. Network your butt off. Interview at many places, right? Don't put all of your eggs in one basket. So that's first, right? Shifting the mindset to see this as an opportunity to actually look good, you know, to look professional, to respect your worth, 
And that's where you have to do market research. As much research as you can, do not stop at Glassdoor or Payscale. Talk to your alumni network if you went to college. Talk to friends. Talk to recruiters, right? Post on Facebook. Say, hey, I'm trying to figure out how much to charge. I bet you all are too. Start what I call you know, a BCC community. I bought a bunch of friends of mine together. These were friends who were very well networked. And I said, we should start a BCC chain whenever we need something. So whether I'm looking to hire somebody or to be hired or how much to charge, right? So this is a a close group of friends where we all recognized that it was powerful to pay it forward. So challenge yourself to get at least six people who can give you information that contributes to the market research that you do. Then you want to pick three numbers. It's not just, you know, sure, hope I get this number. No, I mean, they're going to lowball you. So you have to have a number that you start with that is very high, a middle number, and then your bottom line. And take some time with that bottom line. You know, look at your expenses. What do you need to live? What do you want to live? And, you know, if you don't get what you want, just at least make sure you're also asking for things that don't cost much money but will bring value to you. Career development is a great one. I was going to say compensation for commuting, but listen, hey, we're, you know, most of us, our commute is from the bedroom to the kitchen, you know, but just keep in mind, there are other things you can ask for if they really can't give you the money, but chances are they can give you at least a little bit. Friends who talk about money. What is the last conversation you had with a friend about money? Well, I'm constantly having conversations with my co-founder and life partner about money. We actually just had a really big one yesterday where we sat down and visualized the next 5, 10, 15 years of our lives. You know, what were our goals? So first starting with our life, right? So not just how much money do we need, but hey, where do we want to live? You know, what kind of home do we want? Are we going to take one or two vacations a year? What do those vacations look like? How many kids, right? So then working backwards from those goals, we saw, okay, we need to make this amount of money. Is it sustainable with what we're doing now to get there? We had never really had that conversation before. It was all, you know, can we afford our taxes this year? Like it was just very short-term and very math-oriented. And as scary as the conversation kind of was, it ended in this excitement because we're excited about life and communication is key. And, you know, we took the first step towards that. Well, I think, you know, there's one thing to talk about money with your with your partner or whether co-founder or significant other, but to talk about money with friends and in your kind of extended support circle, like it can be very awkward. And I think we all, you know, can visualize or hear in our head what those awkward conversations can sound like. How do you break through that? Why is it so important to break through that? You will probably make more money if you talk about it and you're helping the other person. This isn't a me, me, me conversation. This is hey, let me call out the elephant in the room to have this conversation. I know it's awkward. Acknowledge it. But I've been listening to this skim. I've been listening to the John Hancock podcast. I follow Ladies Get Paid, right? And I have seen that if we don't talk about it, we're all losing out. And that's why I want to bring this up. So it's about everybody here. So just remember, you know, you're doing them a service to bring it up. And and don't be afraid to call out the, the financial elephant in the room. Let's move on to our favorite round, our last round, the lightning round. You ready? I am ready. What has replaced your morning commute? One, since a lot of us are working from home due to COVID and also because you just moved. So I'm assuming your commute would look a little bit different. My commute is sleeping in. This is (laughs) amazing. I'm like taking more time to just lay in bed and it is glorious. What is the last TV show you streamed or binge watched? So I'm currently obsessed with Orphan Black. Oh, I haven't watched that. Oh my God. It is incredible. The lead actress, she's a clone, although I guess maybe I just gave away 
a first couple of episodes. But listen, if you if you if you look it up, it'll tell you she's a clone. She plays all of these radically different characters. It's an amazing show, but just like a total tour de force to just watch her acting. I highly, highly recommend it. What is the worst money mistake you've made? Girl, my credit card. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I went to Boston University and there were all these banks that just like set up tents right in front of our dorms. I'm like, ooh, Bank of America. Whoa, free money. I had no education about it and didn't recognize how much interest I was paying. Oh my God, wait, can I tell you? I went to Tufts, so not that far. And I also did the same thing with Bank of America. So I feel like those campus recruiters were pretty good. I think that colleges need to, or maybe it's the banks, they should set up a tent that's like, hey, learn about this stuff. Like, sure, get a credit card because like you need to build up credit. That's good. But whatever you spend on your credit card, you need to be able to pay off ASAP. So I didn't know that. And I felt like I was just like, I looked at it as kind of a loan and I had time to pay it off. No, no, no. Every month you need to pay it off. So I got into a lot of debt as a, you know, with credit card. On top of that, I had student loans. And then there was shame, right? Of not knowing. So I kind of didn't want to talk about it. You know, I didn't want to admit it. I didn't want to ask for help. And it was a big, big learning lesson for me. What questions do you ask yourself when you're about to make a really big money decision? So I'm a full believer in this 50-30-20 rule. So anybody who's having a bit of trouble budgeting, this is really straightforward. 50% of your income after tax, keep that in mind. After tax, we've got to pay those taxes. 50% goes to essentials, right? The things that you need, need, need in your life. And then 30% goes to the kind of fun money. What are the things that you want? Uh, and then 20% goes to your future, savings, you know, paying off debt. So the question is, whenever you make a big financial purchase, which bucket do these fall in? And sometimes you really want to say that it's, you need it, but it actually falls into the, you want it. So just take your time before you make that purchase. Sometimes even just sleeping on it, you wake up in the morning and go, eh, I don't really need it. Or I can find you know a cheaper price for it. Okay. Last question. What's your shameless plug? My shameless plug is follow me on Instagram at Claire Wasserman XO. I am writing a book, or I guess I should say I already wrote it. Woohoo! And it's coming out in 2021, being published by Simon and Schuster. You will get all of the updates. You'll learn about it when it comes out. If you follow me on Instagram, I worked really, really hard on it. So just like as a favor to me, please follow me on Instagram. But also I think you'll find it really helpful. It's all about women in the workplace. How do you build up your your self-worth? But most importantly, advocate for yourself in so many ways. And that includes advocating for better policies to support women in the workplace. Great. Claire, good luck with everything. Congrats. Thank you so much, guys. Thanks for hanging out with us. Join us next week for another episode of Skim from the Couch. And if you can't wait until then, subscribe to our daily email newsletter that gives you all the important news and information you need to start your day. Sign up at theskim.com. That's the S-K-I-M-M dot com. Two M's for a little something extra. 